Good morning, Colonial. Happy Fourth of July. Hopefully you'll get out there and um, get you some barbecue on the grill and pop some fireworks, but make sure you steer clear of those sparklers. We don't want any trouble. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad to see you this morning. We're still tracking through the book of John, and our uh, passage of scripture today is John chapter 14, verse 18 through 26. Please listen to the scripture. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So we've been tracking through John chapter 14. And in this chapter, Jesus is talking to his disciples about what will happen in the future. Uh, some refer to John chapter 14, verse chapter 17, as the farewell discourse. You got to get the picture. Jesus has been dropping bomb after bomb on these men who have left everything to follow him. From the text, you get, kind of get the sense that um, you can kind of feel the air being let out of the balloon. Um, the air being sucked out of this motley crew of men who have often showed their misunderstanding of Jesus' purpose for coming to earth. At this point, the disciples were, they were bewildered. They were uh, discouraged. They were at a loss for words. They were stunned. You got to understand their dilemma. In chapter 12, verse 32 through 33, he told them he would die and how he was going to die. In chapter 13, verse 21, he tells them that one of the 12 was a traitor. In chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus tells them he's going away. In chapter 13, verse 38, Jesus calls Peter out and tells him uh, he would disown him three times. From the parallel passage of this scene in Luke 22, verse 31 through 32, Jesus tells them that Satan was at work against them. In the parallel passage of this scene in Matthew 26 and 31, Jesus tells them that all the disciples would fall away. You can imagine the weight of the revelations must have put them in a state of depression. What has all this time been about? Why do we leave our families and our friends for this? Why did I leave my comfortable life for this? What was I thinking when the strange man told me to follow him? How did I get caught up in this? Then comes chapter 14. And Jesus begins to unfold to them his future plan uh, to provide for them all that they would need to accomplish what he has asked them to do. 
He has revealed to them that he is the way, the truth, and the life. When they ask to see the Father, he assures them that when they see him, they see the Father. He has promised to answer their prayers when they ask in his name. He promised to send a counselor, a helper. Um, the Greek word is paraclete. It is, and it's important to know that this is another of the same kind. You see, when Jesus introduces another helper in verse 15, the word another is the Greek word alos, which means another of the same kind. You see, Jesus was wanting his disciples to know that the helper he was sending was not inferior to himself. But a helper who was of the same power, who had the same authority as Jesus did. He, he wanted them not to feel that the father was leaving them as orphans with an inferior babysitter. But the father was leaving them with his equal. So they would not have to feel that they were left alone. This is the helper that will be with them. Now, in verse 18, he continues his promises to encourage them that all they left was not for nothing. All the struggle was not for nothing. It had purpose. And in this section, Jesus is talking to them about the connection to obedience and love and how that would be important in their work as disciples. The message that Jesus um, wants to get across to them is this. I won't leave you. Obedience will direct you. And I will remind you of all I have taught you. There are three lessons I believe Jesus wants us uh, and his disciples to learn from this passage. First of all, no matter where God leads you, he will never leave you. Let me say that again. No matter where God leads you, he will never leave you. 14 and verse 8, it says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. He begins this passage with a bold, um, encouraging statement. I will not leave you as orphans. You see, Jesus, he's the master of reading the room. And, and at this moment, these disciples have already seen one of them walk away. They were 12 and now they're just 11. The fear they felt was as children who do not have anyone to care for them. Their, their family comfort was gone. I would imagine they were feeling the words of the songwriter. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child alone away from home. But in that moment, knowing what his disciples were feeling, he promises them. I will not leave you. <clears throat> you know, I know sometimes um, our walk as believers feels like a lonesome journey. It can sometimes feel like no one understands. It can feel as if uh, you are in this by yourself. But, but the promise is, I will not leave you. We don't have to live as orphans. We don't have to live as castaways. Uh, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as children without anyone to call family. You are my sons. You are my daughters. And to drive his point further, he promises, I will come to you. What did Jesus mean when he said, I will come to you? There are a few views about this statement. Um, was he referring to his resurrection? Was he referring to the rapture? Uh, was he referring to the death of a believer? Was he um, referring to a mystical experience? Was he referring to the Holy Spirit's coming at Pentecost? 
Well, if you read on into verse 19, it seems to favor view one that Jesus was talking about his resurrection. Since the disciples did see him after the resurrection, we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8, it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then he uh, also to the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And also his resurrection is the pledge of their resurrection and our resurrection. Verse 19 says, Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. This is speaking of the crucifixion, his death on the cross. And then he goes on to say, But you will see me. Speaking of the resurrection, because, <clears throat> because I live, he says, you also will live. And in verse 20 says, In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. You know, some view that phrase in that day to mean um, the resurrection. Others believe this is speaking of the day of Pentecost. The point Jesus was trying to make was, I will die on the cross, but don't lose heart. Don't feel as one as an orphan who lost their family. Be encouraged because I'm coming back. And the evidence will be my risen body and the power of the Holy Spirit that will dwell in you. You know, we have this, we have the promise that God has given us a calling to be lights for him. And as we walk in darkness, we are sons and daughters of the light. We can be sons and daughters of the light because the light is in us. His resurrection proves that he will always be with us. When he, when he shows himself in the resurrection, he will show that he is the son of God. Because he is the son of God, he takes care of his children and his children can rest in his presence. We can rest in the promise of Matthew 28 and 20 that says, Jesus tells them, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We can rest in the promise of Hebrews 13 and 5, which says he will never leave you nor forsake you. We can rest in the promise of Psalms 121 and 4, which tells us the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. No matter where God leads you, his promise is he will never leave you. You know, I remember when I proposed to my wife and... <clears throat> You know, I took her to this, um, this park that had this hill. And when you walked up to the top of the hill, that had this area where you looked over and you can see all of Austin, Texas. And it was at night. It was dark. And I remember walking her up that hill and she was scared, like, what is this dude doing? <laughs> and once we got to the top of the hill, I knelt down and I proposed to her. Then I promised her that just as I did not leave her in the pathway of darkness up to this point, I will be with her my whole life. Jesus says, I haven't left you. When you experience darkness, don't worry because I will be with you. The promise is no matter where we go, he will not leave us. Secondly, we learn no matter what distracts you, obedience should direct you. No matter what distracts you, 
<clears throat> Obedience should direct you. Verse um, 21 of chapter 14, it says this. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Let's be clear up front. This passage, it does not teach a works-based religion. But rather, that one who believes and obeys Jesus' word is loved by the Lord. Verse 22 brings Judas into the conversation. John, first of all, wants to be clear that this is not Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus. As a matter of fact, at this point, Judas has already left the room. Matthew 13, 55 names Judas as a brother of Jesus. And this is more likely the Judas that is mentioned here. And, and so he's puzzled that Jesus would manifest himself to them and not to the world. Jesus answers him by basically um, by ac- actually saying that he and the father will not manifest themselves to those who are disobedient to his teaching. Obedience grows out of love for Jesus and his word. And as a result the father and the son abide, or as the end of verse 23 says, make their home with him. To rebel against Jesus' word is to rebel against God the father who sent him. We can see it and read it for ourselves. As you look on the internet, as you look um, on the newspaper, there are many options to follow today. But Jesus says, Your true sign of allegiance to God is not your what would Jesus do wristbands, if anybody still wears those. (laughs) It's not your um, I love Jesus t-shirt. It's not your be calm and love Jesus sweatshirt. Not your Jesus is my co-pilot bumper sticker. Your symbol and sign of your love for God is your obedience to his word. His love for you was shown because you show your love for him by following his word. He is not saying that God only loves those who follow his word. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us, Matthew 5 and 45, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain to the just and on the unjust. He, what he is saying is that you cannot experience the joy of your salvation, the joy of his love For you, unless you show yourself to be a disciple and follow his word. Talk is cheap. You can say you're a believer, but what does your life say? You can say you're a disciple of Christ, but what does your life say? You know, 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, and Samuel said, "Has has the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, is in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Not to say sacrifice is not good, but what good does it do to sacrifice your time, talent, and treasure, yet you cannot follow his word? 
What good does it do to sacrifice if you can't love your neighbor as yourself? What good does it do to sacrifice if you can't love your enemies? What good does it do to sacrifice if you can't forgive as you have been forgiven? If you can't follow his word, your sacrifice has no value. Obedience is the evidence that you love God. I have a question. If you were to have a court case with your love for God on trial, would you be proven guilty of loving God? Would the evidence of your obedience give you away as a follower of Jesus? And would the jury, after examining the evidence and looking at your life, would they determine that you are not guilty of loving God? Because the evidence does not stand up. The promise is, if you obey him, you will experience his love. So what have we learned today? So far we've learned. We have the promise that no matter where God leads you, he will not leave you. We have the promise that when we obey his word, we will experience the joy of his love. Thirdly and finally, no matter what overwhelms you, he promised to remind you. No matter what overwhelms you, he promised to remind you. John fourteen twenty five says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He's already told them that the Father was sending a counselor, to be with them and in them. That is the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. Now he says, don't be overwhelmed about what to do or what to say as you walk through life. Living and professing God's love. You may find yourself in situations where God is leading you to be the light. Leading you to make a statement on his behalf. Leading you to defend the faith. And in that moment, he promises... That when God has placed a person in your path for you to minister to, don't be overwhelmed or wonder, what am I going to say? Um, how do I speak to this? You will find that the Holy Spirit will fill your mind and fill your mouth with what he wants you to say. You will find yourself walking away wondering, what was that? Did I just do that? Did I just speak that? Wow. <laughs> What, where did that come from? It was the Holy Spirit providing you, reminding you of what he has already invested in you so you can speak to it in that moment. Don't be overwhelmed because that's what he promised that he would do for you. So you have the promise of his presence. You have the promise of his love as you are obedient to his word. Finally, Jesus says, go. As you go, I promise that when it comes time for you to minister, when it comes time for you to make a case for Christ, when it comes time for you to be God's representative, <clears throat> he promises that he will give you what to say. I know many of us have studied the Bible most of our lives. Some of us could quote scripture um, from Genesis to Revelations. Other of us are not as well versed. No matter which one you are, we are all sojourners waiting on God to use us for whatever he wants us to do. Jesus promised 
that because of your obedience to follow him and trust his presence and listen and follow his word, he will remind you of what you need to say in that moment. Don't be overwhelmed by what you will say when the time comes for you to make a defense for God. The promise is God will fill your mouth with the grace to answer those questions. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. The promise, which is the Holy Spirit, will keep his promise. The Holy Spirit will give you God's presence and his responses. You know, the other day, um, a young man was at the uh, Chipotle at 103rd and State Line, and um, he was having this altercation uh, with some police officers. And I, I, went, I went over to him, and I, and I began to talk to him and try to de-escalate the situation. And then, then he yells at me, whose side are you on? And I said, I'm on God's side. And he said, where was God when all this mess took over America? I told him, I can't answer that, but I do know that by the Holy Spirit, God sent me over here to stand with you and to see about you. God sent me over here to show you that he cares about you. And then, and then, then he paused and he said, well, do you have a card? <laughs> I want to talk more. And we've been able to, to contact through, through Facebook. I had no idea what God was going to do. All I knew was God told me to go see about him. And I trusted God would provide, he would provide for me what to say. He would provide the rest because that's what he promised. In conclusion, be available. And the promise is, no matter where he leads you, he will not leave you. The promise is no matter what distracts you, Obedience should direct you. The promise is, no matter what overwhelms you, he promised to remind you. The promise is, he will tell you what to say when it is time. And the promise is the Holy Spirit will be in us and with us to make sure in all we do, we glorify God. And the church said, amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can have confidence that wherever you lead us, um, whatever situation we find ourselves in, as we are obedient to your word, that you will deliver to us exactly what we need in that moment. And we thank you, Father, for your promise. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.